Welcome back to Tea Time Reports, everybody. It's Brandon here with you, bringing you the next episode of the Raise the Trop installment here at Tea Time Reports. Thank you so much for tuning in once again, and we have a lot to, to get into today. Been a little delayed on the episode, just a lot going on, especially with the NFL season starting, just getting a lot of coverage, a lot of time going into that, then just some life changes, some life updates as well. You guys all know how it goes, but I'm back, and... We have a lot to cover. Like I said, it's been a very good month of September. Could have been better, meaning that Orioles series resulting in a sweep in the Rays' favor, which would have made it a lot better. Overall, though, really, really good month. And we're into the last week of the season, into the last weekend of the season. We have today off, then we start a three-game set in Toronto to end the season right before they come right back to Tampa more than likely, more than likely, to play us in the wild card round. Now, we're still two and a half games out of the division lead behind Baltimore. And they have a three-game set against Boston. We have our three-game set, like I said, against Toronto. There is a chance. There is a chance, a very slim chance, that if Boston can sweep Baltimore, a team that hasn't been swept ever since Adley Rutschman got caught up, I, I think I need to correct myself because I think on the last episode I – called Adley Rutschman and Ryan Mountcastle. I brought up that same stat about them not getting swept ever since he was caught up. I think I said Ryan Mountcastle. I meant to say Adley Rutschman. However, they have not been swept and have not lost four or five games in a row since Adley Rutschman has been caught up. And the Red Sox are just a very, very bad team. But if for whatever reason they can play spoiler and sweep them and we can sweep Toronto at home or at their home in Toronto, which is we're very capable of doing. They're also fighting for that wild card position with pretty much every team from the American League Central being Houston, Seattle, and Texas because any one of those three can just shift right into that spot at any given second before the season's over. But I would love nothing more than to sweep Toronto, have Boston sweep Baltimore somehow, then we would win the division by a game, by half a game. But more than likely, we're going to be playing Toronto this weekend in a three-game set, then they will be coming right back to the trap for the wildcard series, and I would love nothing more than to just run them right back home to Toronto in that series. But I want to start this off by just giving a huge round of applause to this race team, this race organization, Kevin Cash, and just everybody top to bottom as a whole. We clinched the postseason berth for the fifth season in a row. Say what you want, whether it's the divisional, division title, or wild card. I know we had all these aspirations, especially with how the season started, 13-0, and uh, 30-9, and I believe, or some shit like that. I mean, it was all division title or bust, World Series or bust, but we got humbled by a lot of the injury bugs, and throughout the month of July specifically, we got, we got humbled. Um, but it, I've already touched on before, it was best-case scenario for us as a team and for this these players in general, all being so young, too. You know, we had the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows and everything in between that you can think of. And we're still dealing with adversity week in and week out because, yes, there's been nothing going on with the Wander situation, but it seems like Kevin Cash and his team has just sort of moved on from it already. And you can see that they're ready to win and ready to play without Wander, which is a shame in a sense that you just really wish nothing like this ever happened and you still had Wander, who is a generational talent. But this team has seen it all. From the injuries to the adversity off the field, then even weathering the storm of a young, 
good, hungry Baltimore team just rallying back and taking the divisional division crown from them. But we're still right there with them all the way up into the end. And Kevin Cash has already won two American League Manager of the Year awards. But if he doesn't win it this season, it's it's a disservice. You know, the manager from Texas and Baltimore's manager might be in there and they might get a nod. But for Kevin Cash and this race team to be at 97 wins right now with three games left to play, and that's another reason why I would love to see us sweep Toronto is so we can hit that 100-win mark, which would be absolutely insane when you have your three starting pitchers, Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen, Shane McClanahan. Shane McClanahan is the best left-hander in all baseball, Cy Young candidate, we all know this already, all out for the season. And two of those, Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen, out from the first month, month and a half, two months of the season, you know, and having to plug-and-play Taj Bradley all year, having to change Zach Littell from a reliever to a starter, and just p- whether it's players like Luke Rayleigh, Isak Paredes, Jose Siri, man, Yandy Diaz. You can just go on and on and on. And the fact that we're at where we are right now, given everything that we face this year, just it says so much about Kevin Cash as a man, as a leader, as a manager, and just all these players as individuals as well. It's a winning culture. I mean, where the Rays were different, said Kevin Cash. They were having a big celebration in Boston's. Um, at Fenway Park in the locker room after the game last night to just celebrate their success for the season. And Kevin Cash stated, like, we're different. We're the Rays. We're used to this pretty much. Like, this is nothing new. Yanni Diaz was voted as team MVP, which is no doubt the right decision and no shock to me. I mean, the guy's getting four hit, five hit games night in and night out. Finishes, or not finished the season, but right now is batting 328, has 21 home runs, 76 RBIs. Hasn't even struck out a hundred times yet, and I don't think he will. Also has 171 hits. It's just crazy. It, it really is. He really deserves it. He's had a great season. He he's been our unsung hero, and sort of been that glue that's kept us together. And even Brandon Lau's resurgence towards the end of the season as well, man. It's you like to see it now that he's he's hurt now, which we'll get into that. And we're still dealing with this fucking injury bug, man. But we're still kicking and we're still fighting, man. And it's given us a chance to bring up these kids, as I say, these young guns from the minors, Junior Caminero, which I'll get into, um, Jonathan Aranda, Curtis Mead, all these players that are young and having to be thrusted into these positions because of Oslavis Basabis as well, because of everything that's happened. And we're still producing and we're still winning games. A lot of that goes to our pitching staff. A lot of that goes to our bullpen as well. And all the way back down to Kevin Cash, you know, and this is a race team that still is, I think, third in all of baseball and runs scored. And third or fourth, I believe, I believe it's fourth. And second in all of baseball and the lowest runs allowed behind the Brewers. With three of your top pitchers being out. And we still have those numbers. We're still consistent around the board. I want to say we had the best home record in all of baseball as well. We were tied with the Dodgers for the best home record at 53-28. and 28. And if we're going to be having a wild card series at home, then yes, we would win, of course, knock on wood. But then you would go to play Baltimore at Baltimore. But it's still, we have a playoff series at home, chance to go to a wild card game and just be there. You people need to show up and show out. Raise up, baby. We need you guys to really be there. In this last Toronto series at home, 
Um, we were getting about 20 to 22,000 fans per game at the trough, which is great. I think a lot of that is attributed to just how good they are. The playoffs is coming up and the fact that there's been a lot of stadium news, which I'll transition into now. The Tampa Bay Rays organization in the city of St. Pete, Pinellas County, have announced that there's going to be agreement and breaking grounds on a new stadium. Not in Tampa, though. Not really relocating. It's still in downtown St. Pete, pretty close to the trop, honestly. Um, reports are that the town of St. Pete is supposed to be putting down $700 million in the Tampa Bay Rays organization which at the time was still being voted on. I haven't heard any updates or seen any updates yet, but we're putting down 600 million. 600 million from the Rays, and we're all scratching our head like, what? I thought we never had this money. Like, we've never had the money to spend. This isn't Rays-like. And we were always told if we don't have the money, we're not going to spend that type of money or something along those lines, and now we're spending that type of money. So it's a little odd on that sense, but it's still really great news. It's, ex it's very exciting, and... It's like it's going to be a, a resort community in a way. It's a sports community around the stadium. And I'm not going to lie, the plans for it, the renderings look pretty fucking sick. There's going to be two massive Stingray tanks now, not just that one tiny one. And the outfield is going to be a lot more vibrant and just alive and more of an outdoors feel. I believe it has an opening. Um, it's going to seat, I think, 30,000, 32,000. But um, it's it's really dope. It's really big news. And it seems like Pinellas County, St. Pete, and the team are all on board as of now. And it looks like it's all a go. Um, reports are there's also going to be no property tax affecting the residents there. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of St. Pete residents and people worried about taxes and how that will affect them going forward. I'm sure there's still going to be some type of way around it where they're going to get shafted by it. But apparently there's going to be no property tax being charged to the citizens and residents of St. Pete. But yeah, I'm, I am a little bit shocked that the Rays are committing this much money. Oh, I, I got it backwards, actually. The town of St. Pete is putting $600 million down, and the Rays are putting $700 million, which is going to be combined for a $1.3 billion stadium deal, which is nuts. And I, I really am excited to see what that's going to turn out to be and what that would be like, and I'm excited to be able to experience it come the time that's ready, you know, being a Rays fan, living here right on the other side of the sunshine or the skyway bridge you know fucking sunshine what am i talking about but like i said I, i'm shocked they're putting up that much money after all this time of being uncommitted as far as when it came to stadium talks and this and that and working everything out with the logistics and whatnot and they also stated that if there's overrun which there usually is with things like this that the rays will be able to take care of that too which isn't even more shocking to me but hey if it happens, it happens. I'm excited for it. It's something we need. Now, I wish we were relocating a little bit because I really don't think this is going to do much for attendance on a on a weekday game basis, on a day-to-day -day basis throughout the week, Monday through Friday, or maybe Monday through Thursday, you know? And because it's still right there, smack dab in the middle of St. Pete. You still have to go on I-4 to cross over if you're coming from Tampa. You st if you're coming from south where I'm at, around the parish area, Branton, Manatee County, Sarasota, you still have to cross over the, uh, I almost said sunshine again, the Skyway Bridge. So it's still going to provide that same level of inconvenience for commute and just the overall area that's located. 
Now, the shortening of MLB games definitely will help and has helped already and will continue to help. But it, it's the location itself. I mean, that, that's only going to do so much in regards to the location itself. So I'm a little bit bummed about that. But overall, I'm excited. It's great news for the team, the fan base, the city, the organization. And I, I really am excited to see what it's going to end up being for not only the team, but just the city and the community and the environment as well. And like I was touching on, though, we're going to need to rely on on our youngins here coming up throughout this weekend and maybe into October as well. Brandon Lau is out four to six weeks with a uh, with a fracture in his right patella. Something like that. His right, his right kneecap pretty much is fractured. So he's out four to six weeks. That was almost a week ago. Very, very bad news. I honestly just found out before I, I went live here that this was this bad because Brandon Lau's resurgence towards the end of the season is a huge, huge reason as to why we're even competing for 100 wins and why we even stayed this close with Baltimore. And I think he had like three walk-off hits this year, and he just really came alive in the second half of the season. Two of those walk-off hits came in that second half. Jason Adams on a 15-day IL with an oblique injury. Um, he's been sent for imaging scans. Nothing really has come out yet. Then there was a day or two that I was actually really fucking worried. Excuse me. Luke Rayleigh is on a 10-day IL, still out right now with his neck. He's hoping to resume swinging a bat this weekend, um, per Trisha Whitaker from Bally Sports Sun. Jose Series, good news, though, is scheduled to resume baseball activities today. Um, Trisha Whitaker also reported that. Yanni Diaz had a little bit of a hamstring scare earlier this week. Um, he was out of the lineup yesterday against Boston, but... Reports are earlier today that he's looking to play one to two games in this Toronto series this weekend to get ramped up for the wild card game um, from Kevin Cash is what he said. Aaron Savali's day to day with an illness shouldn't be nothing crazy. He's scheduled to start tomorrow against Toronto in the first game of the series still per Mark Compton. Then other than that, Randy Rosarina also had a slight injury scare, but he was back in the lineup yesterday. So I'm relieved about that. That was pretty much what I was scared about because it was around Monday, Tuesday this week. Randy Rosarina got hurt one day, and then Yanni Diaz got hurt the next. Then Luke Rayleigh also got hurt, and it's like, holy shit. Then the day before that, Brandon Lau got hurt, and you're like, no, 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 no. And it was so bad that it got to the point where the Rays lineup on Wednesday, it was either two, I think it was Tuesday night. The Rays lineup Tuesday night was this. Jonathan Aranda was leading off. Junior Caminero was batting second. Isaac Paredes batting third. Josh Lowe batting fourth. Curtis Mead batting fifth. Manuel Margot batting sixth. I forget his first name. I think it's Romeo or Romeo Tapia. I might be wrong. Batting seventh. Taylor Walls batting eighth. And Renee Pinto batting ninth. That is a lineup that we have never, ever seen. And everybody in that lineup except Josh Lowe and Isaac Paredes has eight home runs or less and 34 RBIs or less. And none of them are... Curtis Mead actually has a respectable average at 273. I didn't even realize that. Um, but one thing I do want to touch on is Isaac Paredes with 30 home runs this season, has 31 now after a two-run shot last night, and has 97 RBIs with three games left. He has a chance to get three more RBIs to be, I believe, just the fifth player in Tampa Bay Rays franchise history to finish the season 
with 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. Then Josh Lowe also hit a home run, I think last night or Tuesday, to join the 2030 club. Really good for him, man. I, I've really... I've touched on him throughout this series a little bit. I've really enjoyed watching Josh Lowe play this season and come into his own. I mean, 32 stolen bases is nice, 284 average. And there was a stretch here throughout mid to late August and the first three weeks of September where that dude was raking. He was batting well over 400. I think I pointed this out in the last episode as well. And I was at that Seattle Mariners game, the last game of that four-game set on Sunday, and Josh Lowe was actually the player of that game. He had three hits, a few RBIs, I believe. Make sure you check out at Tea Time Reports on Instagram and TikTok. We actually got some cool content from that game on there as well. Um, I was there early, and unfortunately, I wasn't 14 and under, so I didn't get an autograph, but I was able to just get some cool footage of uh, relief pitchers Jake Diekman and Chris Davinsky signing autographs before the game for all kids 14 and under. So that's really cool. We'd like to see that. But other than that, that was a great game to go to. The Rays got the win. They got off to a very hot start. I think it was three runs in the first inning. Zach Eflin looked really good that day. Uh, I think it was Logan Miller. I'm having a brain fart now. That we were uh, Bryce Miller. I'm sorry. Bryce Miller was the pitcher. He's he's no slouch either. Eight and five on the season, and he was coming in a little bit roughed up into that game. And the Rays just sort of continued that. He had gave up nine hits, five earned runs, did strike out seven batters. But yeah, we got out to a three nothing lead early in that game, 5 nothing after three innings. Then the Mariners sort of brought it back in the fourth and the fifth. Then the Rays just sort of scored one more in the sixth and just ran away with it and just locked it down by really, really good relief pitching. And that was just a really, really cool game to go to. Seattle was coming into that game hot, one of the best teams in baseball at the time. And we pretty much just gave them the business in that series. We took three out of one against them and just solidified that. I mean, besides Baltimore, we're the second best team in the entire American League. And I was so take, nah, I don't know, I can't say that because they're just dead even. But yeah, we also got, in that same game, we got four innings of just absolute shutout baseball from our relief pitchers. An inning each from Armstrong, Stevenson, Jose, and Fairbanks. Only two hits between the, between the four of them and seven strikeouts in four innings between our relief. And that just sums up the way that our bullpen and our relief pitchers played throughout the second half of the season. And it was just, it was nuts. And um, there was one game in that Baltimore series too. I think it was game one of that series. They closed out the game with four innings of just perfect baseball. Four innings of perfect baseball. No hits, no earned runs, no walks, seven strikeouts and four innings of just perfect baseball. And that's what we need especially at this time of the season heading into the playoffs and that's just really going to make me feel a lot better about this race team because it's going to be all about the bats just like it was last year we know the pitching is going to be there we know the pitching is going to perform it's got to be about the bats and I'm starting to feel a little bit less confident about Aaron Savali unfortunately just every time I watch him pitch it seems like he's just not comfortable he's not settled in and he's just pitching meatballs and just getting rocked left and right and I'm not going to go as far, <clears throat> excuse me, as saying that he's a bust or he's not good, he's not going to help us, and we made a bad trade and this and that. But it's just I haven't seen what I've wanted to see out of him so far, especially compared to what else was out there in the trade market. And, yeah, but uh, I want to touch on the Rays game last night as well. We beat the Boston Red Sox 9-7. to 
to sweep the short little two-game series, got out to another quick lead, 7-0 after the first three innings. Rene Pinto had a two-run homer. Caminero had a beautiful double in the first first inning to score Aranda. And it was just a great team effort. And, you can, it's really good to see that we have these lineups that I mentioned and just read off a little bit ago, and we're still putting up nine runs. Without Yandy, without Randy, without Brandon Lau, you know, and it's really promising. And you just you just hope and pray and knock on wood that this continues into the wild card series and throughout the rest of the playoffs. But uh, I want to touch on Caminero a little bit. Only 20 years old, our best prospect, top six or seven prospect in all of Major League Baseball, I believe. And in his time in the minors this year, bro, let me just read you these stats. 117 games played, 460 at-bats, 149 hits, 18 doubles, 6 triples, 31 home runs, 94 RBIs, with a batting average of 324, OPS of 976, slugging of 591. Throughout two teams in minor league, he played for the single A team, Bowling Green, then played for the double A team, the Montgomery Biscuits, and had a 300 average or higher for both leagues. I mean, in, in single A with Bowling Green, he was just raking, batting 356, slugging of 685, and OPS of over 1,000. This kid is a fucking stud, and it's just going to be a matter of time until he starts showing his potential in the MLB with the Rays, and I'm very, very excited. I think I was calling for him to get traded at the deadline, to be honest, in one of these pictures, and that's just because I did not know about him. And man, do I eat those words, and I'm fucking so happy we did not trade him. Because this dude's a baller. He reminds me a lot of Hanley Ramirez from his days with the Miami Marlins. He just has such a beautiful swing. He has power, dude. And he's not doing the best right now. He's only batting 214. Has a double and three hits and 14 plate appearances. Two RBIs. Also has a walk. Struck out four times. But he's already hitting the the breaking ball and seeing that well. He just has to adapt to the Major League fastball and just adapt to pitching in the Major League level in general. And once he does that, I have no doubt in my mind that this kid will be a difference maker in the playoffs. And I'm going to predict it now. We might see something along the lines of Randy Orozarena's rookie season playoff appearance that year when we made the World Series. And if we do, man, with this pitching staff and the rest of this Rays lineup, Isak Paredes, Yandy Diaz, playing the way they are, oh, baby. Oh, baby, you better wait. You better wait. Um, going into this weekend, though, the pitching matchups already have been set. Savali, like I said, is slated to take the mound tomorrow night against the Toronto Blue Jays. Then in the second game, Zach Littell looks to be taking the mound. Then in the last game, which is on Sunday, October 1st, right before the wild card series, Taj Bradley takes the mound as well. So that just shows you for those two wild card games, we're getting ramped up to start Eflin and Glass now. Man, dude, getting this close to it now and just really looking at it and picturing it. The fact that I'm saying that we're going to start a wild card series in the first two games, we're going to be putting Zach Leflin and Tyler Glass now out there. And I'm not disrespecting or slouching them at all. Zach Leflin's been the same way I said Yanni Diaz was our glue as far as the batting lineup and the team. Zach Leflin has been that for the team as well and our pitching staff. 16-8 and eight on the season, just 
we are so lucky and fortunate to have them. You can't take them for granted. But I'm saying this in the sense of I could be saying Shane McClanahan and Zach Eflin or Shane McClanahan and Tyler Glass now or even Shane McClanahan and Drew Rasmussen as these two. You know, it just it hurts me because I really want to see Shane McClanahan. And it just gives us such an advantage, dude, having him on the bump. But still, we're going to have Zach Eflin, Tyler Glass now slated, ready to go for those two wildcard games. And that just shows you we're expecting to win those two wildcard games and just move right on to Baltimore and handle our business with them. And I want to touch on that series a little bit. It was a great series, that four-game set. If we wanted to win the division, we needed to sweep them, honestly. We won the first game 4-3. That's a game where bullpen was just perfect. Then Friday night, we won 7-1, which was Adam Jones's um, induction into the Orta Hall of Fame or something like that. And it was a big night for him. And we just bent them over and spanked them on the bunda, bro. There was 43,000-plus in attendance that game after only 24,000 the night before, and we just spanked them. Then they came right back out the next night and spanked us 8-0. Glass now just did not look like himself, man. Then we lost game four of that series and extras on a walk-off 5-4. It, it was a series that I really feel like we could have taken, but, you know, it is what it is, and we didn't let it de derail the rest of the season, you know, and I'm still feeling good about the Rays moving into this wildcard series and even moving on and playing the Orioles in the ALDS. And I'm feeling good about our chances in that series as well. And it comes down to them just not having Felix Bautista in their bullpen not being as good and the fact that our bullpen has shown that we can shut them down when we need to. And I think I think that pressure is just going to get to them. I, I really do. I, I think Baltimore is just still one year ahead of themselves and they haven't been here before. As a team, they're still so young, and that experience on the race side is just going to take it at the end of the day, I believe. And I think Junior Camonero is going to play a huge difference in being X Factor, man. And but yeah, Stevenson also looks to be healthy. There was a little bit of an injury scare with him before I forget, and we need him because he's been one of our better relief pitchers out of that bullpen. Then especially if we can get Jason Adam back. We're going to be looking good. Jose Siri, I think I already touched on him. His update's looking good. He should be back soon. But, yeah, I think um, Yandy Diaz, I don't know if I touched on this or not, but, yeah, he was voted team MVP. I think I did. Well-deserved. No other way around it. He's been our best player. But then another stat I want to end this off with is that with their most recent walk-off win against Toronto, I think it was, either Toronto or Los Angeles, it gave the Rays their 11th walk-off win of the season, which is the most in all the major leagues, which is crazy. It just shows you the the fucking willingness to not fucking go down, the willingness to stay in it, game in and day out to the very last pitch. I can't tell you how many times in the past where the Rays have been going into the 7th, 8th, ninth inning, they're down. I'm like, yeah, this game's over. Even starting into this season, like they just, I've seen it before. They don't have that in them, but this season they've proved me wrong and shown that they have that in them. And that's a stat that you want to look at and hold on to heading into playoffs when every game is going to be close, especially against teams in our division. And if it's not our division, it's going to be a team like the Texas Rangers or the Houston Astros. But that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of Raise a Trap. Make sure if you're listening to this, you're in the area, you have a chance to go to this, this wild card game or any of these playoff games. Make sure you show up and show out. I'm going to be trying my best to get to one of those games, and I'm going to be raised. Raising up? No, I don't like that. Just show up, show out, and raise up, baby. Thank you so much for tuning in. Peace.